This is Indie Kids Voices, a podcast by Indie Kids. Ten, nine, eight, seven, Hello, this is The Constellations, and this is our space interview podcast. We are in room 210 in Linda's class, and this school is called Gillen Brewer. Constellations is the name of our class. Uh, we picked the Constellations because those are beautiful, and uh, they make a shape. Solar systems, the planets, the moon. Space is big and it's fun, and there's a lot of planets. You might want to listen to this podcast to learn new things that you didn't know about space. This podcast is about an interview we have with a space scientist. We interviewed Dr. Nesbold on Zoom because it was the only way. Wait, I see Erica Nesbold here. We press admit. Press admit. That means she's okay. here. Well, yeah, if you press see. admit, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Eric. Doctor Eric. How? What's up, <laughs> Doctor Erica Nedvold? What's up? So Good question. We're very excited to have you. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll just start it off. Can the class ambassador come up and get us started, please? Okay. Hi, my name is Matthew, and we are the Constellations class at Gilmore School. Thank you for taking time to do an interview with us, Dr. Neswell. You're welcome. Can you tell us your full name and job? Sure. My name is Erica Neswold, and I have a couple of jobs, but my main one is that I'm an astrophysicist for a video game company. What does an astrophysicist do? Great question. So an astrophysicist is kind of the same word as astronomer, which you might know. And it means someone, a scientist usually, who studies space. And I don't necessarily study space right now because I work for a video game company, but I use what I know about space to help make a game that that lets you pretend to be in space. Why did you want to be an astrophysicist? A couple of reasons. One is that I watched a lot of Star Trek when I was your age, and I thought space was cool because of that. Um, But I also just like looking at the stars at night because they're so pretty. And I like thinking about really big things like stars and galaxies. And I liked going to school. And you have to go to school a lot to be an astrophysicist. Yeah. This is uh, Ethan's question. How big is space? Oh, man, that's a good question. Some people would say that space is infinitely big because there's nowhere you can go where you're at the end of it. So that means it's so big that there's no end. But um, other people would tell you that space is about 13 billion light years across, which really just means that that's as far as we can see in space because light traveling from the farthest edge of the galaxy or of the universe... um, takes 13 billion years to get to us 
And uh, that means that when you're looking at the edge of the galaxy, it's you're seeing something that happened 13 billion years ago, and that's how old the universe is. So 13 billion years uh, across is what we call the observable universe. But it could go farther past that. We just can't see past that. Hi, my name is Ibrahim. I have a question about, is the Mars rover still in space? There's actually a couple of Mar different Mars rovers that have different names. Um, I think the one that's named Curiosity is still roving around on Mars. But there's some older ones that aren't awake anymore because they ran out of battery, but they're still there too. Uh, Opportunity and, and Spirit. Yeah, we don't bring them back when we're done with them because that would... Uh, why would we bring them back? That would take too much energy. So um, Mars has a bunch of... Uh, robots and landers sitting around on it out of battery that will still be there when humans go there. What is the biggest thing in space? Oh man, that's a good question. What's the biggest thing in space? Well, it, this is a really scientist kind of answer, but it depends on what you mean by thing. Um, because you could say, um, you could talk about what the biggest star is. I don't know the name of it, but it's a lot bigger than our sun. Uh, or you could ask about what the biggest black hole is. I know that there's some really, really, really big black holes out there. But you could say if you call the galaxy a thing, the galaxy is even bigger because it's made up of stars and black holes. Um, so uh, I think that you could probably look up what the biggest star or the biggest black hole is, but we'll probably find a bigger one someday too. And I have one more last question. Okay. I heard that they're making houses in space, but what if another country wants to put houses on the moon just to themselves? Like, is it going to be, what are you going to do about that? People have been worried about this since before even I was born. And back in the 1960s, they got together, all the all the countries, and they got together and they said, we need to figure this out before we end up fighting over houses in space. And they wrote a treaty, which is like a law that applies to all sorts of different countries. And the treaty, the Outer Space Treaty, says that um, you can't keep people out of your uh, house if you build one in space. You can't keep people out of it. Um, you can build a house there, but you can't say, this is my house or this is America's house and nobody else can come in. You have to let other people in. That's not if they want to. Yeah, um, which is weird, right? Because that's not how it works on Earth. But the reason, the reason they did that is because... Um, Countries going to new places and saying, this is our land, nobody else can come in here, has led to a lot of wars on Earth, and they were worried that we'd have wars in space, so they decided to say, let's just share space instead, and that's where the treaty came from. For houses as well? Houses? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Mostly they were talking about countries, because that's what they were worried about with wars. The, the, the treaty doesn't really say anything about houses, but it does say that if you have uh, the fancy use, I think they, the fancy word I think they use is uh, facility. So if you build like a base uh, with a bunch of buildings on it on the moon, uh, you have to give access to other people if they want to come in and walk around. So you don't cause war. So you don't cause a war. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Well, bye. Thank you. This is uh, JR's question. What is at the end of space? So this is kind of like the question that you guys asked me before about how big space is. Um, and the answer is there really isn't an end as far as we know. It's not like there's an edge or a wall. Uh, that'd be weird. Uh, if we just kept going in one direction in space, we would just keep going forever. Um, like I said, though, eventually you'd get far enough away that we wouldn't be able to see you from Earth. But as far as we know, you could just keep going out there. There'd just be more stars and galaxies. This question is uh, my question. 
Is there a planet made of diamonds? So diamond is made from an element called carbon. It's carbon that's been squished really hard and really hot, and it makes this crystal structure um, that looks really pretty, diamonds. And we don't know that there are any planets that are made out of diamond 100%. We think that there's carbon on other planets, so there might be diamonds on other planets. And a scientist I know, he was actually my my teacher when I was at school. Uh, he works at NASA. He wrote a paper once saying that he thought that there was a planet where it rained diamonds uh, in, in the sky on that planet. Uh, I don't remember the name of the planet, but that was a really cool paper. Okay. Okay, guys. Okay. My name is Zandra, and my question is, which planet is hot? Which planet is hot? Well, in the summer, sometimes this planet gets pretty hot, but I think you mean way hotter than the summertime, right? Or how, like, how much planet or like one of the other planets like is hot? Good question. So there are two planets that are closer to the sun than we are. And since they're closer to the sun, they're hotter. Um, one of them is called Mercury, which is a little planet that doesn't have any air. Um, and so uh, it's so cl close to the sun that it gets really, really hot uh, when it's daytime because the sun is shining so close. But then when the planet turns and it's nighttime there, it gets really cold. Uh, because there's there's no air there to hold the the, the heat in. What okay. other stuff like other planet is cold except for Uranus and Neptune? Those two are pretty cold because they're far away from the sun. And then there's there's another planet between us and the sun besides Mercury. Do you know the name of it? No. It's called Venus. So Venus is about the same size of Earth, except it has way, way, way more air than earth does and it's so the the air is so thick that you you get uh it gets so hot on the surface that when we sent little robots down to land on the surface and take pictures they take like two pictures and then the robots melt does astronaut join all types of planets or most of the planets do astronauts go to plan those planets yeah so ast astronauts have only been to the moon um and they want to go to mars astronauts probably wouldn't go to venus it's too hot very hot yeah. Yeah. We want to be warm. Warm, not too hot. Not too hot, not too cold, like Goldilocks, right? Good question. Thank you. Why is Pluto a dwarf planet? That's a good question. That was a big argument between lots of different astronomers when they were trying to figure out what Pluto is. So the answer is that uh, for a long time, we knew, we thought there were nine planets in the solar system, and we knew that Pluto was like really small compared to all the other ones. But that was fine because it was still bigger than all of the little asteroids we could see, so we decided it could be a planet. But then they started finding other planets about the same size as Pluto, um, things like Sedna and Ceres uh, and Vesta. And they realized that there were so many of these Pluto-sized planets that... Uh, it was time to come up with another category because the choices between Pluto and all these other things can be dwarf planets in their own category, or we have to make kids like you memorize 200 different planet names, uh, which nobody thought was a good idea. So they decided to make up uh, a new category to handle this, this middle size between asteroids and regular planets. And uh, that's what Pluto fits into because it's just not very big. Uh, that wasn't my question. It was uh, Austin's. Okay. Good question, Austin. You think you got it? You remember what you're thinking about? Yeah, I remember what I was thinking about. My question was, what is your game about? 
what is my game about? So uh, the game is called Universe Sandbox, and you can play it on a computer, and it's about space. So it's not a game like Fortnite where you're playing against other players or where you're trying to, or like, uh, it's kind of like Minecraft because, uh, except no monsters, uh, because you get to build stuff. But what you're building is solar systems. So you can put a bunch of planets around a sun and watch them all move around. You can look at our solar system. You can zoom in on the earth and uh, see what happens if you make the sun really, really hot or make the sun go away and watch the earth get really, really cold. And the most fun thing you could do with it is smash stuff together. So you can throw the moon at the earth and see what that looks like. Uh, and you can look at all kinds of different uh, exoplanets, which are planets around other stars. And so it's really fun for learning science because it's all based on real science. That's that's my job is to make it all realistic. When did the first black hole form? The first black hole form. You know what? I don't know the answer to that question. This is a really good question. I can tell you how black hole how holes form, which is um, kind of the same way that stars form, which is that you have a bunch of gas. So just a big swirling cloud of gas, but there's so much of it that um, gravity makes it want to clump together. And if it clumps together so hard that the inside of it gets really, really, really hot, um, then it, tur it, it turns into a star. Uh, but if you have even more gas there and it just keeps falling in and in and in, it gets so much pressure in the middle, eventually something really weird happens. Uh, we're not entirely sure, but basically the math stops working right. And it turns into a black hole where uh, everything gets sucked into it, not just gas or planets, but even light uh, falls into it. And we've never actually seen that happen Um but we think that that's how it happens. And uh, I don't know the first time that happened, uh, probably billions of years ago, but uh, well, that's a good question. Will humans live in space on the moon or Mars or somewhere else? That's a good question. A lot of people hope that they do. Um, there are some humans living in space right now, but they're uh, not all the way out at the moon or Mars. They're living in the International Space Station, which is um, not very far above the Earth. It's technically in space, uh, but it, it orbits the Earth, and so it doesn't take too long to get there. When the space station's overhead, it's closer to you than you are to, like, Australia. So it's it's pretty close, even though it's in space. But there are a lot of people who hope that we can build houses on the Moon or on Mars where humans can live. It's just a lot harder to get there and uh, a lot harder to build those houses that are comfortable to live in. So people are still working on that. Will the space houses in the in space have gravity, food, water, and air? Mm, those are all important questions because humans need all those things, right, uh, to live. So gravity, it depends. It, when you're in the space station, there's no gravity. You're just floating around. You guys have probably seen videos of the astronauts floating around. Um, if you're on the moon, though, you can walk around on the moon like the astronauts have. They kind of bounce because there's uh, less gravity. It's only about one-sixth of the gravity uh, that we have here on Earth, and Mars is about one-third of the gravity that we have here on Earth. So they have gravity, but just not a lot of it. Well, friends, you could probably move on them. Yeah, well, if, if all you need is gravity, but we need other stuff too, right? We need air, and like I said, there's not a lot of air that we can breathe on these planets, and you need food, like you said, and uh, to make the food, you gotta be able to grow the food in the dirt. There's no dirt there, there's just rock. So we'll have to bring a lot of stuff with us if we wanna be able to live on the moon or Mars.
my name is Malik, and my question is, has there ever been a spaceship that got sucked into a black hole? The answer is no, but that's just because uh, the black holes that we know about are way farther away from us than we can send a spaceship right now. Uh, I think, there, for one thing, there's a black hole in the middle of our galaxy, but it takes light, like a beam of light, it takes 100,000 years, I think, to get to the center of the galaxy where the black hole is, so it would take us a long time to get there. But even if we could get there, we probably wouldn't want to send a spaceship anywhere near it because nobody wants to fall into a black hole, right? Now, we might someday, far, far in the future, want to drop a, a probe, like a robot spaceship with a camera on it uh, into the black hole to see what happens because nobody really knows what happens. Um, but it would probably break any spaceship that we sent it into. And that's be not just because you'd fall in, but there's a weird thing that happens around black holes where um, the, the gravity that pulls on you gets stronger and stronger the closer you get. And it gets stronger so fast that if you were standing, if you're floating in space with your feet pointed at the black hole, your feet would be being pulled way harder than your head, which would stretch you out. And the scientists actually have a word for this. Uh, they think it's uh, be something that they call spaghettification, like spaghetti, uh, that it would stretch you out. And uh, that's not good for people, and it's not good for spaceships either. So anything that you got anywhere close to a black hole would probably break. I also have another question. In terms of space trash, is it as bad as what we're doing on Earth to the ocean? That's a good and very important question that a lot of people are talking about right now. So um, I said before we left all of our robots up on Mars, right? We don't bring it back. So people kind of treat space like we used to treat the oceans, which is we think, oh, it's really big. We can just throw our trash there and it'll never be a problem. But we see now that that is a problem on Earth in the oceans, it's bad for the fish, uh, it's bad for us, um, and we really can put so much trash in there that the, the trash causes a lot of problems. There's not quite as much trash in space yet, and the nice thing is that there's no fish or any other life in space that we're hurting with our trash, but it's still a pretty bad idea. Uh, Mars isn't a problem yet because we haven't sent that many robots there, but uh, the space right around Earth, which is where we put our satellites, um, and we use satellites for a lot of different things. There's so many satellites up there uh, that when they start to collide with each other, they break into pieces and then all the pieces stay up there. And so there's a lot of space junk floating around that hurts the satellites and uh, can even uh, pose a danger to any astronauts in a space station up there. And so there's a lot of people trying to figure out, should we uh, figure out how to clean up this space junk? Um, should you get in trouble if you put a satellite up there and your satellite breaks apart? What's the rules here? And so people are working about on that right now. Um, so I said I had a lot of jobs. One of my other jobs is that I run a nonprofit, which is like a business that doesn't make money. Uh, it's like a charity. And it's called the Just Space Alliance. And it's me and another astronomer and a bunch of other people who think about space. And one thing we like to talk about is that to go back to space, to go back to the moon, for example, there's a lot of technology that we need to figure out. We need to build our rockets. We need to figure out how to uh, grow crops and, and get food in space. But we also need to figure out other stuff that doesn't have to do with technology, like how do we live with each other in a way that's fair? How do we keep from having wars in space, like we were talking about before? How do we make sure that no one goes hungry in space if there's only a little bit of food to eat? 
And so we want to be figuring that stuff out at the same time that we're figuring out the rockets and the spaceships and the, the space houses and things like that. And so that's one of the things we do. We get people together to talk about it. Uh, and we try to encourage people who love space and, and want to go live in space to think about uh, how to do it in a fair way. How come we haven't been in space for over, I mean, on the moon for over 50 years? Astronauts have not been to the moon since before either of us were born. Um, what? It is. That's one big problem. It's really, really expensive. It was expensive even back then. It would still be expensive now, even though we know how to do it now. Um, and the problem is that people had a lot of arguments about um, whether it was worth the cost. So it was obviously really cool to get astronauts there just to prove that we could. And so everyone thought that it was, well, not everyone. Most people said it was worth the cost back then when they were trying to put astronauts on there. But then after they went a few times, a lot of people, especially people in the government, said, why are we spending all this money? We're not getting anything out of it. And so it stopped for a long time because there were a lot of arguments about what else we could be spending that money on. Uh, and now NASA wants to take people back to the moon. And we think we figured out some, some things that could make it worth the trip, not just the science, but maybe we could learn more about um, how humans could live on the moon. Uh, and maybe we could find stuff on the moon that we could mine and sell, and then we'd get some of that money back. But there's still a lot of arguments about whether it's worth the cost. How else can we use space knowledge? So this is something that astronomers have to think about a lot because some people don't care about space just for its own sake, but there's a lot of other things we can learn from space that help us here today. Uh, for one thing, I talked about the satellites that we put in space. Uh, they're really important. In fact, satellites is how you and I are talking right now because Zoom uh, uses satellites to help us communicate from far away from each other. It also, uh, satellites and telescopes and astronomy help us learn about the Earth as well as all the other planets and stars in the galaxy. And that's really important because we live here. So we want to make sure we understand what's happening on Earth. And uh, satellites help us learn about climate change and help tell us when to plant uh, food and, and grow plants here on Earth that we want to eat um, and are, are really helpful. And so knowing uh, how space works and how satellites work is important for that. And space also helped us uh, invent GPS, which tells us uh, how to get different places when we're driving around. That's all based on uh, space technology and, and physics. So um, space knowledge is helpful for all those reasons. Plus, it just helps us learn more about where we uh, came from and where we are in the universe and, uh, and helps us think about uh, what we want to do in the future as humans, which I think is pretty cool. And that is all the questions we have today. Thank you for doing this interview with us. You're welcome. You guys ask great questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. This interview was really fun and interesting to learn new things. I was pretty impressed with. Yeah, me too. Were you, Matthew? What, what impressed you about Dr. Neswold? About oh, the facts she told me. She knows a lot of space facts, oh, yeah. right? Um, for all of us. This is the end of our space interview podcast. Thank you for listening. Tip of advice for a astronaut. Don't try and get into a black hole for obvious reasons. Oh no! 
Visit IndieKids.org to get involved in our educational programs or to make a tax-deductible donation to support the work we do.